It's known as the Wonder of the West, and if you didn't know its history, you might think the Mont Saint-Michel was plucked from a fairy tale. The Island Abbey on France's northern coast turns 1,000 this year. A historic pilgrimage site that continues to welcome crowds with some three million visitors each year. Welcome to France in Focus. In this edition, we're exploring the iconic Mont Saint-Michel as it marks its millennium. We'll be meeting some of the many people who preserve the magic of this World Heritage Site, protecting it from the ravages of time, mass tourism, and shifting sands. It all began with a series of dreams in the 8th century. The Archangel Michael, or Michel, appeared to the bishop of nearby Avranche, asking him to build a sanctuary in his name on the rocky island. Some two centuries later, a group of Benedictines built the first church, expanding it into an abbey in 1023. After centuries as a pilgrimage site, the Mont Saint-Michel was used as a prison during the French Revolution. While a dark period in its history, the sanctuary's ongoing use and partial upkeep as a prison likely saved it from destruction. The abbey returned to its original role as a monastery in the 1960s. Théophan is among the four monks and seven nuns currently living here. Brother Théophan, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for welcoming us in the private gardens of the Brotherhood. Can you talk about what a typical day is like for you here? Like in any abbey or monastery, life in Mont Saint-Michel is punctuated by our life of prayer. The liturgy punctuates each day, morning, midday, night. The rest of the time we work, we study, we pray, we meditate on the Word of God, called Lectio Divina, which I'm lucky enough to be able to do while walking across the footbridge. But we also lead everyday lives. We have two houses in the village which we use as hotels. What's more important than what we do is how we do it. Our relationship with God dwells in the way we work. And what's it like having a spiritual life in a place that's so historic and so exceptional, but also such a big tourist destination? It's a beautiful and attractive place, but it has its challenges. There are steps everywhere. To replenish supplies, you need to go across to the mainland. It's a lot just to carry your shopping. It's a physically demanding, imposing place with its thick walls. In the winter, when it's raining, it can be hard on your mood and on your morale. It's a demanding place. And then there are the tourists, the visitors and the pilgrims. There are lots of them, you're right. But they only come in the day. So when you live here, you live a life of contrast. You have to love the way it breathes, 
how the human tide comes and goes like the ocean tide around us. It's a demanding place if you want a linear life. You have to be open to the unexpected every day. In the night, the evening, the morning, Mont Saint-Michel is calm, silent. What we hear the most here are the seagulls. It must be said that they haven't learnt to sing, they just shout instead. While the island's medieval streets may be packed with crowds, the number of permanent residents has been steadily declining for decades. Today, most of the homes above the shops are used for storage, and only 30 people actually live in the commune of Le Mont Saint-Michel, among them the mayor, Jacques Bono. I imagine you know the names of all of your constituents. Can you tell me about who lives here? I know the first and second names of all 30 people who live here. They all have completely different lives. We have the families of farmers on the polder, which you can see over there, merchants' families, and of course, the religious community. And the Mont Saint-Michel is not your average city. What's interesting about being the mayor here? Being the mayor of Mont Saint-Michel has upsides and downsides. I don't have to manage schools, roads, swimming pools, stadiums like other mayors do. My only duty is to preserve this place and pass it on to future generations in good conditions. As for the downsides, we're in a completely protected place, architecturally speaking. So if you want to change one stone, one colour, you have to file documents, strike agreements with the relevant authorities. So getting work done is very, very difficult. But you get used to it. On the positive side, the whole world comes to see me, comes to see us. So we're getting lots of interesting people coming through. We've welcomed all the presidents of France since Charles de Gaulle, except Nicolas Sarkozy, who launched his campaign here but didn't come back during his presidency. That's one advantage of being mayor of Mont Saint-Michel, receiving illustrious people from world of politics, culture and art. Each time someone comes, they want to meet the mayor, which is a real treat. And speaking of the visitors, Le Mont Saint-Michel gets tens of thousands of tourists every day. Do you think about limiting tourism? We've been getting lots of visitors for years. It's in the DNA of people who live here and welcome the public, which we've always done. This year, we've had a bit more than usual, but we're used to it. And we have protocols in place to welcome everyone in very good conditions. It's something we're on top of, and we do everything to make sure visitors have an enchanting visit. And just finally, to settle a regional dispute, is Le Mont Saint-Michel in Normandy or Brittany? It was going so well until you asked that. I can confirm, Mont Saint-Michel is in Normandy. It was Breton from 864 to 933 AD, and Normandy didn't exist yet at the time. So there's no debate. It's Normandy, and it's French. Okay, you heard it here. It's settled. Mayor Bono, thank you so much. Those who watch over the Mont Saint-Michel can also be found on the mainland, like engineer Romain Deguet. 
He helped oversee the construction of a new dam completed in 2015 that's been key to preserving the dreamlike quality of the landscape. you're the manager of this dam. Is it true that without it, the Mont Saint-Michel would no longer be an island? Yes, without this dam, the mount would no longer be an island at high tide. It sat at the bottom of a bay, which over the course of the year receives constant natural sedimentation deposits at the foot of the mount, accelerated by the amount of construction carried out by humans nearby in the past. So the dam must both reshape the river Quenon, which was no longer an estuary, but also release flows of water to erode the sand that accumulates around the mount, making sure it becomes an island at high tide again. Without this dam, it would lose its maritime character. And can you explain a little bit more how it works uh, with the tides as well? The dam is completely automated. It's programmed around the tide times. We have two high tides per day here. Each time, the dam will slightly open, letting part of the sea into the Quenon estuary, a bit like how an estuary usually works, before closing the dam again. Then when the tide is low, the dam opens slightly to give the river enough current to push away the sand piling up at the bottom of the mount. And can you talk about some of the fish and wildlife and plant life that we have here and what the impact is on, on them? In the Bay of Mont-Saint-Michel, there are a huge number of species. The old dam built in 1969 and roughly the same spot blocked the tide from entering the river. So salmon and eels couldn't reach the river to migrate. That caused serious ecological damage. This new dam reintroduces the natural characteristics of the estuary. We let species across, which is very beneficial to them. Environmental preservation is really at the heart of what we do. We keep tabs on all the many species in the bay, like the salmon, eels, seals, and birds. Romain Deguet, thank you so much. Thanks to all of you for watching. We hope to see you next time on France in Focus.